0: Now, guys, we got to fix this can't talk to dad thing. This not being able to talk to dad thing, I think it's what's causing us to get killed at the gift table. You'll know we're being beat to death, don't you? Let's look at this little comparison up here. i got a chart for you. Between Mother's Day and Father's Day. Now, just pick a column. We're losing just pick i mean I, I mean they can have the jewelry and the flowers but everything else we're just getting killed and you just get to the bottom line mother's day this of course was 2010 10.8 billion to our 54 they're getting double the gifts or at least double the value of the gifts and, and even if you get away from money and get like into cards did you know mother's day is the number 1 day in america for the card industry you know what father's day is number 4 I mean, I think we've got to, like, beat Christmas to crack the top three. I mean, good luck with that, okay? I mean, how's that going to happen? Now, Mom did get a head start at this, okay? Uh, Congress declared Mother's Day to officially be the second day in May in 1914. Now, we were celebrating Mother's Day back into the 1800s in different times and different ways throughout the country. But by 1914, they said, across the country, second Sunday in May. You know when Father's Day, I didn't know this till this, till this week. You know when Father's Day was declared? 1972! Fifty-eight years of celebrating mom and nobody says, what about dad over there in the corner? (laughs) Not even a nod. Now, the good news is dads were taking this pretty well in stride. As a matter of fact, when dads were shown this chart and asked what they thought of it, 91%, that's a pretty huge percentage, isn't it? 91% of dads looked at that and said, well, that's the way it should be. My mom deserves that. We're, we're pretty comfortable with that. So, Dad, we got that one right. And everybody, we need to encourage Dad when he gets it right. Not because it's so rare that he gets it right. You Go ahead and clap for Dad. That's right. We want to encourage Dad when he gets it right. You know, sometimes dads, you know, we're not, they're not easy to talk to. Or maybe we're not easy to talk to them. But, you know, dads know when we don't get it right. We know when we miss. And, and we know when maybe we've not done what we should do we know we fall short in that you know when i think of being a mom being a dad and i don't know if this is right i think moms i think it's a little bit more instinctual for them i think they just pick that up and just run with it dads i'm not so sure we kind of i think sometimes maybe stumble and fumble into this i mean we know we're supposed to bring something home right and we know that if it bites or stings or could carry off one of the kids we're supposed to kill it you know, but after provision and after protection, what's next? Is that all there is to being a dad? What else is supposed to be happening? And I think we kind of look around for that. I put together a, a definition, kind of a, a target for us to aim at, a job description, if you will, of being a dad. Look at this up here. It says, the job of a dad is to so effectively represent God. Now I think right there, that's when a lot of us dads say, whoa, that's pretty big, that's too much. But this is our job. It's to so effectively represent God that when our kids realize we're not God, now it won't take them many years, but you do realize that for a moment you're God. You're the source of everything. But when they realize that you're not, it's very easy for them to understand God in heaven as their God heavenly father and give him their love and to give him their loyalty. Man, that's a, that's a big thought, right? There's a lot to chew on right there, isn't it? M- maybe, a, maybe there's a simpler way to say this. Let's go to the next definition. I just boiled it down a little bit more. Be the kind of father that the heavenly father doesn't have to overcome. You know, we share the same name, we, we share the same title. So be the kind of dad that when our kids utter the word father, there's not something to overcome there. That's a simple statement. That's a big challenge. And, and I think it's easy for dads to look at something like that that is so big and we just kind of drop back and I'm not sure we all necessarily engage in the game. Uh, that we all get involved and committed to being and doing what a dad's called to be and do. So we, we just kinda settle, I'll bring home the money, I'll kill the bugs, and I'll fix the bike. Gosh, in my house, I can't even fix the bike. My son's better at that than I am. He was fixing my bike the other day. And get this says, Dad, I'm going inside and I'm not coming back out till you can do this on your own. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, Well now Colin, you might be able to fix it, but I can ground you from yours. So, uh, <laughs> let's think this morning, guys, about what a dad is. What's the game that we're in? I want to look at a passage this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to that chapter, that, that book. You'll find 1 Thessalonians. It's in, the, it's in moving past the halfway point of the New Testament. Uh, it's past, let's see, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You get to somebody like Timothy or Philemon, you've gone too far. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's an interesting passage because this passage is not about fathering. As a matter of fact, there's nowhere in Thessalonians that it's about fathering. But what's happening is Paul is writing the church in Thessalonica. Now this is a church that he, he lived among, that he spent some time with. And he's, and he's sending them this letter where he's going to be addressing some issues. And, be, and before they get to those issues, he says, I want you to remember my time among you. Remember my ministry. Remember how I lived among you. And it's in that that he says, I was like a father. And so the passage is not about fathering, but I think gives us one of the most profound passages in all the Bible... ...on what a father does. Let's look at it. It's a short, simple passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, "...as you know, like a father with his own children." I was like with you, I was like a father with his own children. Well, what's a father with his own children like? Well, it says here, verse 12, "...we encouraged, we comforted, and we implored each one of you to walk worthy of God." Now you see Paul there saying he's directly pointing to being a father. And when he's doing that, he's wanting them to think highly of him, isn't he? I mean, he's not saying, hey, can you get in mind a bad dad? That's what I was like. No, that's not what he's doing. Hey, can you get in mind an absent dad? That's what I was like. No, no. he's, He's relating this to himself. He wants them to think positively, to think highly. And when he goes to grab an illustration that would cause the crowd to think positively, he says, I was like a father. You know, I find that intriguing. I find that intriguing that in that culture Paul was writing, he thought he could toss out the word father and that would evoke a positive response. That, that would evoke good thoughts, good memories. You know, it made me think, can you toss the word father out into the American culture and anticipate good thoughts, good memories, warm feelings? You know, I'm not so sure you can. I'm not saying I'm right. This is just an opinion. But I think the role of father, I think the position of father, I'm not talking about any individual in this room. I'm not even talking about an individual out there. I'm just saying. I think that role, that position, that title of father, I mean, it's taken a beating in America. I, I, I don't think we respect or or really appreciate that role. I, I think we kind of look down and I'm not sure if somebody was going to say, "Hey, I want you to think highly of me," so think of me like a. What would they think? Would they use the word father in America? Is that the word our culture would use? You know, folks, this is a big deal. If our culture struggles with the word father. Because that's the title God has. God wants us to know Him as a Father. He means for us to relate to Him and to understand Him like that. So when He claims that title for Himself, knowing that we all utter the word at some point in our lives, Father, in an earthly sense, and God intends for that to be a good thing. A good thing in our homes, a good thing in our community, and like I said, something that we can then easily translate into how we understand our Heavenly Father. Man, what if, what if we dads got together, just dads everywhere, and we decided, hey, we're going to fix this title. Hey, we're, we're going to make this position something that, that America does honor and that America does respect and that America does appreciate. So how, how would we do that? Well, you know, I think Paul here gives us some, uh, some real direction on how we make that role what it should be in our home, in our community, in our nation. He uses three words, and I can sum up these three words with one word. The word coach, dad, you are your kid's coach. You coach them in three ways in these three words. The first two words I want to put together. They, they they kind of go hand in hand. They're actually very close in meaning, but the distinction between the two words is something, Dads, we really need to get a hold of. You could say here, coach dad encourages and comforts. I actually like the, the New England or the English Standard Version. It says exhorts and encourages. Again, the words are kind of close, but I like the word exhorts first. Because that word for encouragement there is not, you know, you can think of encouraging somebody that's down, right? They're having a bad day, they're hurt, you come put your arm around, and say it's gonna be all right. That's not what the word encouragement means here. This word is more of a, a positive motivation, a, a positive expression. You're encouraging them to go further, do more, be better, go get it, go, 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 go. It's a coach. The word describes there's what a coach does. A, coach comes alongside that athlete and challenges them to use their abilities and and to go as far as they can in those abilities that's what we're doing in exhorting whether we're looking at grades or athletics or dance or answering dad questions man whatever we're doing we're encouraging we're motivating that child to go as far as they can to be as much as they can but that word is then comfort with uh coupled with comforted or, or with another form of encouragement. And this word kind of ties in an idea of some negative things. Now, I don't mean negative in a bad way. It's comforting in light of inabilities. In light of failures. In light of fears. Man, dads, this is something that men miss. I mean, God's giving us something here. Paul's giving us something here in putting these two words together. And the reason I say, men, we miss it. I mean, I've been coaching kids in sports for about 10, 15 years now, anywhere from football to baseball to basketball, it is incredible to watch men walk up to a seven-year-old and give him instruction. And you can see in the seven-year-old eyes, he doesn't understand a word the guy's saying. Not a single word is connecting. And then the guy asks him to do something. Okay, I'm talking to my seven-year-old quarterback. Okay, your wide receiver's going to do a post route and about 50 yards down the field, I want you to hit him on a beeline. That's not coaching. He can't throw the ball 50 yards. And you know what, guys? We do this. We say things our kids don't understand and expect things of them they can't do. And that's where this word says hey, not only do you challenge that child to go as far as they can, but you're aware of their inabilities, you're aware of their fears, you're aware of their insecurities, and you're coupling that together. You're working that together so that you motivate, but you don't break. You challenge, but you don't frustrate. You call for the very, very best, but you don't discourage. The idea of these two words together, guys, means that we're very sensitive. We're we're praying for wisdom, we're looking, we're understanding, because each child's different. Each player on the field is different, and we know when to push, and we know when to hug. You know there's a difference, right? And I find that a lot of dad mistakes are made because, guys, we tend to fall into just one of the two camps. We're either a pusher or we're a hugger. It's not one or the other. we got to have the wisdom and the insight to do both. To know when to push, to know when to hug. To know when to motivate, but not to break. See how God puts these two words together and gives us the whole picture of how we're to be coaching our kids And then Paul comes in with this third word, the word implore. And this word has a sense of authority behind it. Dads, you hold a position of authority. Now we need to be careful with that authority. You can go through scripture and whether you're talking about a, a, a pastor or a father or a king or a governing official, God doesn't give a single person on this planet authority so that that person gets what they want. Authority is not bestowed in Scripture for selfish purposes. Authority is never about getting what I want. But rather, authority is given to serve and to bless the whole. Authority is given to lead the whole. And so when it says we implore, Dad, you've got a, a sense of responsibility, a sense of authority. You set the pace. You set the call, the challenge. Dad gives the charge in the home. This home is going to serve the Lord. And then as we narrow that down to each child, and that's what is expected of you. Now this word implore is more than just a word, it's a whole phrase, isn't it? What are we imploring to do? And in this phrase, we get really, guys, our big idea, our big job description, the big target that we're aiming for. What is it we're to be imploring our kids? It is to walk worthy of God. We're imploring them, We're coaching them in the worthiness of God. And then we're coaching them in how we live in light of that worthiness. So think of all the things you talk to your kids about. It all becomes a part of the context of God's worthiness. God is worthy of a clean room. Well, we should have said that on Mother's Day, shouldn't we? God's worthy of a clean room. God's worthy of our best effort. God is worthy of us being on time. God is worthy of us handling money appropriately. God is worthy of you not putting your mom in a bad mood before I get home. That one might sound a little selfish. God's worthy. So you see guys, all of a sudden, everything we're teaching, everything that we're talking about, it is now all in the context of what God is worthy of. Now I want to step out on a limb here and say, guys, most of us are not one bit comfortable with that idea. It's not what we're thinking about. It's not why we picked up the fathering role. It's not what we're doing. I'm much more comfortable coaching on fixing the car. I'm much more comfortable coaching on the ball field. I'm much more comfortable coaching on handling finances and getting a job and working hard. Man, guys, that's fine. Coach them in what you're good at. Coach them in what you're comfortable with. Just understand this. Anything else is just extracurricular. You have one great assignment. You and I cannot opt out of this assignment. Do you realize? Not another person on the planet was given this job. Guys, I can't help but believe if we pick this job up, we solve a lot of problems in the United States of America. I'm not putting every problem on men. I'm not saying that we have to bear that burden. I'm just saying if we had this fine-tuning between pushing and hugging, I'm saying if we picked up and saw that my primary purpose in this is to teach that child how great and awesome God is and then to show them and coach them in a life that proclaims how great and awesome that God is. The moment you hear that word dada, you've just taken on the most the biggest role you'll ever play on this earth. That is, there's not a second place. That is the most important thing you will be. That is the most important thing that you'll do. And it is this idea, it is this role, it is this position, it is this title that we come today to honor that we come today to respect. Now, when I use the word today, I say the same thing today. I said on Mother's Day, as followers of Christ, we know the concept, the idea of honoring a mom, honoring a dad. That's not an annual event for believers, right? The follower of Christ isn't just looking for one day a year to do that. Man, this is how we live. This is our character. We honor and respect. And yes, maybe we come to today and kind of make sure we've been doing that and make sure we cover some things that maybe didn't get covered. And you know what? If we've got a dad that's trying to be that, trying to do that, has done it, did it, then this is an easy day, isn't it? This is an enjoyable day. When you throw that word father out there, it does evoke some positive memories, some positive uh, feelings. It does elicit a good response you know what? I find it easy to go to the drugstore and pick out a Father's Day card. That's easy. I just have to look for the coolest picture and the words that say the very best. And I, I like looking at that. That's not hard. I like calling my dad. That's going to be an easy thing this afternoon. I like sending him a gift. That's fun. But I say that because I know. I know firsthand that for some, it's a real awkward, it's a real uncomfortable experience to go to the drugstore and stand in front of those cards. I mean, you want to do the right thing, you're trying to do that, and you read those cards and... I mean, it it's just way over-expresses what he did. It, it just way over-expresses how you feel. I mean, you, you, you just feel like you'd be dumb trying to sign that. And when dad gets that card, he knows he didn't do that. He knows this is not what you feel. So that's very hard. Uh, Standing at the drugstore, buying a card. That's a hard deal. Forget trying to get a gift and, and the call and everything else. You know what? If your dad fell short, and we'll just leave it at that today. But if dad fell short and that's left you feeling empty... That's left you feeling hurt. That's left a, a void there. Man, can I, can I just say this? Whatever's going to fix that is not going to be fixed apart from God's Word. And that's not just a statement about your relationship with dad. That's a statement about everything under the sun. Nothing in your life is going to ultimately get fixed or be made right if it's not in line with God's directives. If you're not seeking His word and His direction, and God's word says honor, but God, He doesn't deserve it. God, He was mean. God, He hurt. God, He was. It's not about the job He did. It's for you. It's for you. I'm not saying how it would be fixed. I'm not saying what fixed will look like. I'm telling you that help and that healing comes when you step in line with the directives of God's Word. And God's Word says honor. Yes, there's some dads who make that pretty easy. There's some dads who takes a little bit more thought. Takes a little bit more creativity in how to do that. But you bless your own life. When you seek to honor whatever way you can, ask God for help. Ask God for direction. How do I honor the memory? How do I honor the, the person right now? Now, if you believe that you're one of those dads, man, this is a hard day, isn't it? Coming to church actually on this day makes it even worse. You hear a message like this and it, it, it man it tends to fill you with guilt. You, you, you think about how you failed. You think about what you've missed. Now, you know, if today your child's two years old or eight years old, you might, okay, I'm, I'm going to roll my sleeves. I'm going to take this on. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to get better. I'm going to do this. And, and some of you might be there, but a lot of us, a lot of us don't have a two year old and eight year old anymore. Maybe our youngest is already a teenager. Maybe they're moving into adulthood. Maybe our child lives on the other side of the country and has for 27 years. And so we hear a message like this and we just feel nothing but beat up and there's nothing I can do to fix it. There's nothing I can do. To, my, my, my game's over. I'm not, I'm not coaching anymore. That's done for me. No, it's not. The game is not over until God says the game is over and that will correspond with your last breath on this earth. The game's not over. Now, if they've lived on the other side of the country for 27 years, yeah. You have a limited platform. You don't have maybe every door, every option available to you to begin working on this and changing this. But the game's not over. And dads, you can begin coaching today what God is worth. As a matter of fact, it is only because of the worthiness and the greatness of God that you might take on a very humbling, very uncomfortable feeling and make a call where maybe you say something like, hey, you know, I just want to say, I know I did some things wrong. I hope, I, I mean, I tried to do some things right. But I know I didn't do this and I know I was really wrong there. I mean, I've been studying God's Word and, and, and even bigger, I see what God called me to be, what God wanted me to be. And I didn't, I didn't really take that on. I, I really didn't pick that assignment up. And i'm sorry and that that's that's not just a bad thing that's sin that's wrong, and I confess that to God, and i I confess that to you. I'm not implying any response on your part. I'm just letting you know what God's doing in my life. and you know it might be kind of awkward. I don't really know what comes next, but i'm going to try to pick up what god's called me to be and do and and in the limited context and the limited platform we have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be a little bit better at that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. Now, you, you know, I don't doubt that there's at least one person, if not more than that, who are thinking, ah, those are great words. I wouldn't even have the opportunity. I wouldn't have the audience to say that. They wouldn't listen. They'd cut me off halfway through. They'd finish and say, that's great, Dad. Thanks. Bye. You know what? You're not responsible for their response. Any more than a coach is responsible for how they actually play on the field. You're not responsible for playing the game for them. You're just responsible for being a coach. Do you realize if you had a conversation something like that, what you just, watch this, coached your kids in? What you just coached that 17-year-old in? What you just coached that 47-year-old in? You know what you just coached them in? You just taught them. It is never too late to do what is right. That's, that's That's important, isn't it? You know, it's fun to coach your kids. Hey, look how successful. Look how good I am. It's fun to coach them in that. But you know what? If your kids ever go through anything wrong, if they ever fail, if they ever fall, who will have coached them in how you respond to failure and falling? So you've got a chance to say, hey, you know what? I failed. I've fallen. It's never too late to get up and try to do the right thing. It's never too late to say you're sorry. It's always right to say you're sorry. Or how about teaching them You know, this is awkward and uncomfortable, but God blesses humility. God blesses repentance. You know what God never blesses? God never blesses arrogance. Do you realize? I'm not going to have that conversation because it's uncomfortable. That's arrogance. You just said how I feel is more important to me than what is right. That's arrogance. God's not going to bless that. So you have a conversation like that, whatever context it happens in. Do you realize what you've just coached in? Hey, hey, Dad, that was a big coaching game right there. Dad becomes the MVP in that moment. may not be fun. The kid may not acknowledge it and recognize it in that moment. But you just coached in some great life principles. It's never too late to start doing the right thing. Well, okay, if I had a conversation, where would I go after that? To your knees. God, what's next? I'm uncomfortable doing this. There's limited relationship there. How do I do this next? And you just get in his word and you get on your knees and you just let him start guiding you in each little thing that comes next. But whether you feel like a failure or whether you feel like a success, let me tell you something. Your one job with that kid is to let them see how great God is and then show them a life that lives in light of that. Don't go out these doors today feeling like a failure. Don't go out these doors today feeling beat up. God does not speak to beat you up. Now there's some truth that's uncomfortable to look at. We get up in the morning and that's not comfortable looking in the mirror, is it? But we look in the mirror to know what to change, right? We look in the mirror to know what to fix. That's why God speaks, God does not speak to tear you down. God does not speak to show you what a jerk you are. God does not speak to say you're toast. God speaks because when He speaks, there's truth. And in there's truth, there's what? Being set free. Whatever's going to be fixed, whatever's going to be healed, whatever's going to be made right is when you and I step in line with God's Word. So, dads, let's go fire up the grill. Watch the game, the tournament. The race, they're all three on today. (laughs) Go to work tomorrow. Go to practice Tuesday night. Maybe vacations around the corner. Go do what you do. But just remember, in every one of those things you do, you're a coach to your kids. Whether they're 7 or 47. And you're coaching them in how great God is. And what kind of life represents that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I might question how smart it is that you would give yourself a title that I have. I'm awed and I'm in honor to carry the title Father for for four people. And Father, I look back at, at how I've done certain things and man, maybe there's ways that I've presented what a father is that just creates some Emotional scars, some emotional baggage makes it harder for them to say Father to You in prayer. And I'm sorry for that. God, again, I don't know that You should have taken a title that, that I had. But Lord, I, I don't want to just feel bad and I don't want to just feel sorry. I, I want to take on that title with pride, with excitement. I don't want to opt out of The role you've called me to. God, I pray you'll help me. I pray you'll help each one of us. Wherever we are in the fathering game. However we might evaluate how we've done so far. God, may the next step, the next step be a step where we move in light of your word. Your word has said, this is what we're to do. This is what we're to be. God, would you show me what the next step looks like in light of that? God, I pray that all across this country today, in this church and in churches around this country, dads are thinking about the awesome privilege of being called by the same title as You. We're thinking about what Your Word says. God, we pray for change, but I don't know that we ever expect it. God, help our unbelief. And I pray that as we step into this afternoon, and into this week ahead, we step into our knees and into Your Word and we take this role in a brand new light for Your glory. Nobody else has been given the assignment that I've been given for those four people to let them see the glory of God and how to live in light of it. Help us to do that. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask for Your help. Amen.